The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. And we'd like to welcome you to another edition of Spotlight on Long Island Schools on 103.9 LI News Radio, streaming live on the web at linewsradio.com. I'm your host, Bob Vecchio. Hey, thanks for tuning in each and every week and hearing about the amazing things that our kids are doing in schools throughout Long Island. And the last several weeks, we've been, well, focused on issues, closures, pandemic, COVID-19. What is the future going to look like? Well, we have no idea. But this week, it's a special policymaker edition, and we want to welcome back the New York State Assemblyman from the 5th Assembly District, Mr. Doug Smith. Hey, Doug, welcome back to Spotlight on Long Island Schools. So good to be here, Bob. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, before we get into a plethora of issues, uh, first off, how have you and your family and listen, you have a beautiful little girl, you're still a relatively new dad, you got that new dad smell to you. Uh, How have you and your family uh, fared during this pandemic? We're doing we're doing pretty good. It's uh, it's actually been interesting because now a lot of the government operations are being done uh, remotely. So I'm actually home a lot more with my uh, two year old. So, I mean, she's you know, it's a lot less time away in Albany um, during this time. But, you know, we're still, you know, the few times we've had session that has been uh, to address COVID-19. I have gone upstate, but but with technology, it's amazing how you can kind of be home and, and out and about as well. So you've been spoiling her during the pandemic is what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah, hopefully she doesn't get too used to it. That's right, because before you know it, you're going to be away and back up in uh, the lovely town of uh, Albany there up in upstate New York. So, you know, I, I was thinking about this, Doug, and we were just briefly talking about this off the air. Where, where do we begin? I think the last time we spoke, uh, the session hadn't started yet, and we were kind of reading tea leaves and you know, things were looking good. You know, the, the, the economy was humming. People were employed. Uh, we were anticipating good things and we were worried about unfounded mandates and boom, who would have thought, who would have thought 2019, 2020 school year would have ended the way it did, you know, with, you know, schools closed and drive by drive in graduations, curbside graduations. Some schools still even haven't had a graduation. And, and now the economy is upside down with the hundred percent shutdown. So let's let's go back and then we'll work our way forward. And for our listening audience, you know, we've got a lot of territory to cover with uh, Doug Smith, New York State Assemblyman for the 5th Assembly District. So the next two weeks, you're going to be hearing from Doug and he's going to be giving us some insight to Albany because a lot of questions and a lot of people want to know well, what's going on. What's the future going to look like? What's September going to look like? And Doug's a great resource for information. So, Doug, let's go back to the days of the initial budget process. When the first budget came out, the state was still facing an economic deficit, which I think a lot of people forget, and it's only gotten worse. And the governor made a proposal, and there was a, a decent bump in state aid for schools, and, and you know, then the wrangling would normally begin, what shares come to Long Island, et cetera. Then the pandemic hits, and he flattens the aid. And that was to be expected, but what's really concerning for a lot of school districts and school board trustees and people that manage these budgets is the threat of mid-year cuts. So take us through the budget process from your perspective, and how in the world do we allow a governor to have such ultimate authority to make mid-year cuts, which would be devastating for every school district, every student across the state? Well, you know, the last time we spoke, we were looking at entering the uh, 2020 uh, year uh, at the beginning of the budget. And we were thinking about what might be discussed as far as education. Uh, as you remember, we were talking about it, maybe a $6 billion budget gap. 
and the governor was primarily talking about cuts in Medicaid and what spending reductions could be made. He actually, at the outset, set up a Medicaid redesign team. Their goal was to find about $2 billion in savings. Uh, the state comptroller optimistically found about $1.5 billion in savings that could be made. So, you know, we were right right uh, January. We were kind of looking in, in better shape. And then um, what happened with the, the pandemic, I remember, I think it was March 2nd, we passed a bill uh, to grant $40 million in coronavirus aid and also to classify a pandemic as something that could, could be considered a state of emergency, which then set up kind of the dominoes. And that's that's uh, March 2nd. The budget typically is March 31st. So uh, and then the next time we met was for the budget. Uh, my colleagues uh, in state government, our budget last year for the state was $176 billion. The budget that we passed was actually $179 billion. Now, keeping in mind, we knew at the outset we had we were at a loss of $6 billion. But my colleagues and I had to, there was no way I could vote yes on what I consider a fantasy document. There's no way that that budget that was proposed could ever come to fruition. And the reason that my colleagues knew that wouldn't happen was they included a provision that said the governor, if cuts needed to be made at that point, we're a month into the pandemic, knowing that business is starting to shut down and things that that the revenue wouldn't be there, uh, that the governor then would have the power to make any reductions he so chose chooses. And then we, the legislators, would have within 10 days once he releases that spending document to either change it or to let it go into effect. Uh, so you're talking about mid-year cuts. It's a very possible outcome. Yeah, it's a very real outcome. And ironically enough, and I've said this before, the last time school districts suffered mid-year cuts, there was a Governor Cuomo in office. It was his father back in the early 90s. And it took schools almost 10 years to recover from that. And 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 this is what people need to understand, the significance of a mid-year cut. Schools have already passed their budgets, right? We just had to, we'll get into the votes in a little bit and that whole process, but schools have passed their budgets. So now they're allocating resources to staff. So, okay, we have a science class. We have a science teacher. You have kids in a classroom come September, virtually or in person, hopefully in person. And now October is one of the review periods, and he decides, well, okay, we're going to cut aid to education. Now we're not going to give school district A, B, and C what they thought. We're going to just cut it. Well, I can't cut that teacher. I can't cut that class. So where do we make up the difference? And and that is the quandary. So what can the legislature do? Because every year that Governor Cuomo has been in place, he's gotten more and more budgetary authority and budgetary power. Is there anything that we could take a look at and say, you know, we need to retool this a little bit? Well, I think the interesting fact is going to be um, right now the and, and again, uh, the income tax deadline has been extended to uh, July 15th. So now we will have a better idea of uh, shortly of where we will be with tax revenue. You know, a lot of people are going to get extensions, but we might have an idea. Uh, but we're looking at possibly now a 13 billion dollar budget gap. I think everyone, including myself, we're hoping to see some money from the federal government. The governor has asked for $60 billion. I don't think we're going to get that. The federal government simply doesn't have it. Uh, but I think we, you know, as a, the state of New York, we contribute $29 billion more than we receive. And that's an, in a typical year. Right now, we were one of the hardest hit states uh, during COVID. I think now it's the time where we need assistance. So we are really hoping, and, and that's just bipartisan Republicans and Democrats. We are asking for some assistance to help us. Now, again, that's not to forgive 
maybe past uh, spending mistakes. I, I think that, uh, for example, education and uh, medical coverage is supposed to be a priority for state government spending. And I think that some of the programs this governor has decided to spend money on have not been uh, to that end. Uh, so, but but given the coronavirus situation, we really do need some help on that. Now, there's been another proposal, and we can talk about it maybe in the next segment, uh, that if the governor proposes cuts to uh, school districts, that could, you know, you're talking about massive, you know, talking about possible layoffs, or you're talking about a property tax hike uh, on the folks. So my a lot of my colleagues are talking about a now an ultra millionaires tax that could be used to um, to make up that gap. And we do have about a little more than two minutes left in this segment, and we'll come back. Let's let's talk about that. So give us the Reader's Digest version of the Ultra Millionaire's Tax, and it's going to sound appealing to many, uh, but there's always unintended consequences when we talk about this. So, so when I was first approached uh, to support or to consider uh, as a legislator, many of my colleagues were asked, this Ultra Millionaire's Tax, the first question I always ask is, is it actually an ultra millionaire's tax? Because in the past in the state of New York, they've considered, uh, they've called things a millionaire's tax that has only been really a $250,000 tax, which could be every small business owner. It could be a household with a cop and a teacher, which are a lot of the people I represent. So I did, I looked into this bill. Uh, it is actually an ultra millionaire's tax. So it would, the highest tax bracket in the state of New York is 2.5 million. This would create new tax brackets at 5 million in income, 10 million in income, and over 100 million in income. So this actually does create a new tax bracket. The, uh, the thought process for my colleagues is they would like uh, wealthier New Yorkers to what they consider pay their fair share. Now, the governor, interestingly, has shied away from this because he is under the impression that if this happens, a lot of these folks are very mobile as it is. They will just simply move. And year two, three, four, we're going to actually see a decrease in income as he's contending. So he doesn't want to see that happen if possible. So that really sets up an interesting dynamic where if he cuts state aid to schools, we're probably going to take up this measure. So maybe he will be you know, hesitant to cut that aid. Just want to remind folks, we're speaking to New York State Assemblyman for the 5th Assembly District here in Suffolk County, Mr. Doug Smith. And he's giving us his insight and kind of we're going to read the tea leaves going forward. Uh, and we're going to ask the tough questions as far as, hey, what, what does he think is going to happen and be mandated by Albany? If schools reopen, and that is a big question, if and when schools reopen, and well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to appreciate his thoughts as far as the timeline when that decision is going to be made, because it's a very tight timeline. You're listening to the Spotlight on Long Island Schools on 103.9 LI News Radio. This is a special policymaker edition. We're continuing our issues regarding COVID-19, its impact on schools, its impact on students, and its impact on public education and the economy here on Long Island. So when we come back from the break, you'll hear more from Assemblyman Mr. Doug Smith. We'll be right back after this. And we'd like to welcome you back to Spotlight on Long Island Schools on 103.9 LI News Radio. Streaming live on the web at linewsradio.com. Once again, Bob Vecchio. Check out our Facebook page, Spotlight on Long Island Schools. That's your place to suggest a program, club, or activity that your kids are involved in. And your district may be the next one in our spotlight. This week, we continue. Well, it's a policymaker edition. And we're pleased to be joined by, well, the guy is just such a wealth of knowledge. And he calls it straight up. You know, he's he, he gives it to you straight. He's not going to tell you what you want to hear. He's going to give you the facts. And that's New York State Assemblyman, Mr. Doug Smith, from the 5th Assembly District. 
right here in Suffolk County, and he represents some uh, pretty big school districts on Long Island. And you're a former educator yourself, Doug. Uh, we were talking about the ultra millionaires tax before the break. Approximately, what are the numbers that they think is going to generate in revenue if they implement that tax? Well, there's a few. Um, there's actually, I think this is one in the series of three proposals. But uh, the folks that are pushing it are thinking that it could bring in about eight billion dollars in revenue. This as a factor. Uh, I mean, to understand the current. Uh, and I'll give you just approximations. The current high tax bracket at two point five million dollars and above would be it's approximately one hundred nineteen thousand dollars plus a little bit over. I think it's eight point two percent. So this would create new brackets where the highest, which would be one hundred million dollars or above. If you make that, you'd now instead of having to pay one hundred nineteen thousand dollars, you'd have to pay like almost a million dollars, like nine hundred and eighty thousand dollars plus. I think it's ten point two percent. So you're looking at. Uh, a pretty significant tax increase if you fall into that that bracket. Uh, so it, it's it's um, you know that that's now those who are proposing this. I have a separate bill in that I think would actually better address the issue. I suggested, and uh, my predecessor Al Graf before we actually put a bill in that would create a one percent property tax in New York City to exclusively fund New York City's education system. And the theory behind it, you know, <laughs> we make that significant local contribution, and New York City and the other. Uh, five major cities, they always complain that they don't have what we have. And my attitude is, if you want to make the local contribution we make, great. Here's an opportunity to do it. And um, so so I, I, I've i kind of countered that and said, you know, if you want something that will exclusively fund education, not just something that now is going to give uh, more money to the general fund that, as we know from the state lottery, does not necessarily aid and give additional ed funding. No, it just adds to the overall pot that gets divvied up among many, many things. But they always send out the number to let you know how much of the lottery money is is going to your school district. So you had mentioned before, too, about the federal relief advocacy. And, and of course, you know, I think every group in New York State and probably every state in the union is asking for the same thing. But what we fear, too, is it might get us over the hump for year one, but then we could be staring at the same problem in year two, maybe to a lesser degree. God forbid, a worse degree, but I don't think that'll be the case. But what would be the state's plan to address year two, which could be worse for school districts than year one? I mean, it, it and essentially that's that's what advocates are saying. They want a recurring revenue stream, which, you know, again, I'm not entirely opposed to um, making tough decisions with respect to, you know, an increased tax on higher earners. You know, no one that lives in my district falls into that category. It just it there's no one who lives in my district that, however, I've seen no empirical evidence yet. And the governor's come out. And again, not that I agree with or believe things necessarily coming from his office, but he's of the belief that this would actually decrease revenue because now a lot of these folks are very mobile. Uh, so I asked some of the groups that uh, are supporting it. I said, look, I'm not opposed to supporting the plan. However, I would like to see empirical evidence that shows this isn't going to hurt our state and that uh, this won't decrease state revenue uh, going forward. So, uh, but as I was saying before the break, because of this really dynamic struggle, you could see a scenario where uh, Cuomo is less likely to cut state aid to schools. And I'm hoping that uh, knowing that the legislative response would be to create this new tax bracket that he believes will hurt the state, perhaps he finds uh, cuts elsewhere. And I really hope, you know, given that stated public education is something that we need to provide for all students, that uh, he does look elsewhere for those cuts. So getting away from and getting out of the weeds with the economics of this situation, the economics are not good. Um, and, and it's going to be a while before they recover. A lot of people are wondering, well, are schools going to open in September? And if they do open, what does that mean? Part-time, 
full-time distance learning? What what were the issues that we learned be, of distance learning? My humble opinion, distance learning is not effective whatsoever, particularly on a primary level or even through the middle school level. K through eight, I don't I don't think it has any place that it should be. I think it could be intertwined into the secondary nine through twelve, but not even a replacement there. What are you hearing at the state level? Because here here's our dilemma, right? We're we're here in July. All right. The state education department is going to release guidance documents and maybe new regulations or mandates mid-July. And the governor just announced that he's not making his decision till the first week in August. And then school's got four or five weeks to pivot and implement whatever scenario he decides. What are you thinking? My thoughts are we we definitely I mean. I think we definitely need face-to-face instruction in some form, but now that does provide a, a big question as to what our schools are going to be doing. And as yourself, as a school board president, that really puts people like you in a very tough position because now when the state releases their guidelines in just a few days, uh, and then two weeks later, you have to make the plans and submit them. Which plan does the district submit? Now I've heard districts saying that they, if it's an option, they'd like to submit three plans, a plan where, you know, complete face-to-face instruction, uh, a plan for maybe a split session. And then a third plan would be completely remote if that is needed to happen, because you really don't know. And those kind of are the three scenarios. Um, I The districts I represent, as you know, we have uh, buildings that are closed. Now, the school district still owns them. Many of them are leased out to BOCES. They're already providing instruction to other students. Uh, people, Some in the community are saying, let's reclaim those schools. But then uh, then you, you, you face the scenario of which teachers are going to be manning those schools. What what folks. So we don't have the funds to hire additional people. In fact, we may have less funding. Uh, so there are, there are a lot of issues I have heard from my colleagues. Uh, it, it, it really is a big question mark. There are some that just, you know, and, and what what the governor's indicated is that in certain areas of hot spots, there may be a different uh, you know answer. So for our area, we were one of the, the hot spots in Suffolk County, right. um, as opposed to some areas in upstate New York, which had very few cases. So we might see that as well. I'm very alarmed. And, you know, Bob, as a, as a teacher, you know, I'll tell you, the first thing is I'm always one to say that school is not we're not there to babysit kids. That's not what we do. However, there is a child's care component. The fact is we can't get this economy back running if parents have to be home watching their kids. And I'm going to put my school board member hat on for a second, and I'm going to advocate to you as a state official saying, look, what's really, really important, no matter what is decided for September, you got to trust and allow for local control, local governance. And I'm going to use my school district, William Floyd, as an example. I will have different protocols based on my buildings. I have a building that was built in the 50s, and I've got buildings that were built in the 2000s. So the protocols and the best practices for infection control and safe learning environments is different even within my own district. So allow for flexibility on a local level. That's what I'm going to ask you, Mr. Smith, to take to Albany and stress to your colleagues that we need to trust the local duly elected boards of education and their superintendent administrative teams to decide what's best for their own districts, their own communities, and give them the flexibility and take away some of the mandates to free up some of the resources. I'm always big on mandate relief, and I have a feeling new mandates are coming. One of the things that has come out from all of this, and it was stressed, I sat on the task force for the state education committee, uh, department with the uh, reopening task force. I represented Suffolk County school boards, the equity issue. Equity for distance learning, we've always known that based on your zip code, there is a different learning experience. And this shutdown exacerbated just how bad some of those socioeconomic equity gaps are. What is the state going to look to do to close that equity? I mean, you had 
schools that freely gave out laptops or Chromebooks and the kids had no problems. And then you had kids, they don't have access to Wi-Fi because they're living in shelters. Talk to us about the equity for the last minute here. So a number of uh, my colleagues have addressed that, particularly upstate New York. A lot of them, really, they don't even have high-speed internet in upstate New York. And, you know, we don't think of that. We really, that's not something we think of as still an issue, but upstate New York, that's been an issue and it's been a fight ongoing. But in our communities, as you know, um, they have devices typically from the public libraries that could be lent out to have a Wi-Fi hotspot in your home. But now the libraries were closed because of this pandemic. So this is just such a unique scenario. So I know a number of my colleagues have uh, talked about that. I know uh, Taylor Rainer's, uh, sorry, Taylor Darling, um, she represents Hempstead. She's brought that up as an issue. She said, look, socioeconomically, my districts are distressed and we need to make sure those resources are available. So I think it's something that definitely needs to be addressed. I'm really hoping that we can get back to an in-person instruction. There's other issues contractually, as you know, that uh, have prevented teachers from being on camera. So that's also made it more difficult to, to instruct our students. Yeah, it's opened up Pandora's box. And, you know, I can't help but think after the pandemic is officially declared over, the lawsuits are going to be in the abundance. I mean, lawyers are going to be very busy. Hey, look, folks, we're not done with our conversation with Assemblyman Doug Smith. We're going to continue to talk about some issues with him again next week. You've been listening to Spotlight on Long Island Schools on 103.9 LI News Radio, out on the web at linewsradio.com. And listen, if there's anything that you're hearing from our policymakers and our school administrators, it's that, look, we're, we're moving forward. We're going to move forward in some fashion. We're getting through this. We're better today than we were yesterday. We're going to be fine in September. We're going to adjust. We're going to adapt. And we're going to get through this together. And hopefully the temperature cools down on the rhetoric a little bit and we can get to the business again. So tune in next week for our continuing conversation with New York State Assemblyman Doug Smith from the 5th Assembly District in Suffolk County. This is Bob Vecchio thanking you for tuning in to Spotlight on Long Island Schools on 103.9 LI News Radio. Views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.